The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. My name is Sarah Snyder, and my cancer journey began in August of 2015 with just a routine mammogram. And I got a call back saying, we want you to come in for another follow-up mammogram. After I had that, they sent me that day over to another room to have a sonogram. And after the sonogram, the radiologist came in and said, we see a lump, we think it could possibly be breast cancer, so we want to refer you to another doctor. And that afternoon, I found myself in an operating room having a biopsy. I was diagnosed with breast cancer in August of 2015. I had surgery, a bilateral mastectomy to remove that in October of 2015. I ended up having to do 20 weeks of chemo. During that time, I did lose weight, I got sick, but I tried to just keep remembering that God is in control. And the whole time I just thought, God's in control. Like, I'm not going to let this get me down and I'm not going to worry about what the future might hold because I just know that God's in control. And so I finally, I I did make it through the chemo. And then because I had tested positive for the BRCA gene, I was told that I needed to have my ovaries and fallopian tubes removed. When I had those removed, I found out that I had more cancer and that was in my fallopian tubes. And I said, I think I'm gonna cry. And then I cried (laughs) because it was like all this emotion of what, wait a minute, here I am happy thinking I'm finished and they've just found more cancer. Have you had moments in your life where you just ran out of options, closed doors in front of you, Situations where you didn't, not only did you not know which way to turn, but you had nowhere to turn. Life was closing in around you. As a result, you didn't not only have options, you only had an ultimatum. I don't know what set you up. Maybe it was sickness and disease, a diagnosis, a disaster, despair, or a decision even you made that shut the doors and closed off options. And as a result, You look around at your life, you go, I don't know where to turn. I don't have any choices. And life begins to settle into frustration and fear where you can't look at your life and make sense of it. There's a a guy in, in the story of God as recorded in the Bible. His name was Saul. Saul had run out of options. He had closed a lot of his own doors. He was a guy who was born with a lot of opportunity, but became a religious terrorist. He hated Christians. He hated Jesus. Because he was hunting down and arresting and even killing Christians, not only did he lose a lot of options, but on his way to another massacre, he has an encounter where he meets Jesus. He's on his way to Damascus and he hears a voice from heaven and sees a blinding light. And the voice from heaven says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting or why are you fighting against me? And he goes, who are you? Because this is Jesus whom you are persecuting. Wow, imagine you came face to face with your enemy. Worse, imagine you came face to face with a God that you were against. Now imagine you're Saul, and you meet the God that you've been against. You have to imagine that the God that you're against 
has been against you. The apostle Paul, whose name was Saul, had a life-changing moment in that situation. He went from being a religious terrorist to being a, a passionate preacher of the good news of God's love. And he begins to use his business to fund starting churches all across Asia and Europe. And he imagines that he's going to go even further and do even greater. And so he wants to relocate the headquarters of his missions effort to the city of Rome, where there's already some churches that are beginning to start and grow. And so he, he writes them a letter, a letter to teach them what to believe and how to turn their beliefs into who they become. Who they become drives how they behave. Do you see it? Belief, become, behave. And so in it, he wants to invite everyone that's hearing, particularly this church in Rome, about what he had been through that every one of us go through. And so let me bring you to that, this passage that he's writing. It's about halfway through his letter. It's in Romans chapter 8. He's talking about the fact that we run out of options. The world around us is not as it should be. He, he writes this in Romans chapter 8, verse 20. He says, For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope. Then he continues and he says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning as if in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. What, what is he saying? He's saying, at some point in your life, you run out of options. You get a diagnosis. You make decisions that close doors on your dreams. Things go wrong. Things go badly. And you start to realize that we live in a broken world. But it's not just that the world around us is broken. It's that we're broken. Our world is broken. And we, we begin to groan in frustration. And, and the Apostle Paul's writing, he goes, it's as if the whole world, all of creation, is groaning for a rescue. It's the world around us and the world in us is saying, something is wrong. This is not the way it was meant to be. This is not the way it should be. My life is not the way it should be. Maybe it's the, the diagnosis that turns your world upside down, but it's not just a diagnosis. It's a second diagnosis and a third diagnosis. When life goes from bad to worse and you start to look around and go, this is not how it's supposed to be. This isn't how I imagined it to be. This isn't how I dreamed it could be. You've run out of options. And there's this deep groaning in frustration, longing for something else, something better. So the Apostle Paul offers this encouragement again from his own experience where he's looking at his life Saul the religious terrorist who has this encounter with God where he he recognized that he's been against God expecting God to be against him but instead of being against him he discovers that God loves him God rescued him and so he changed his name to reflect the change in his life and as he looks back on his own life he reminds the church in Rome and all of us to look back on our lives and discover this truth. It's found in Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 28, where he writes this, For we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Wait, hold up. What? Patrick, are you, you saying that everything's just going to work out? Because that's what it sounds like, right? It sounds like what I just read was Paul saying, hey, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to work out. All right. But that's not what he said. So then you might have heard, Oh, God will make it all work out. 
God will work it all out and everything's going to be okay. But that's also not what the Apostle Paul said. What he wrote was, in all things, God is working for the good of those that he loves and he calls according to his purpose. Saying, God is at work in everything, in the brokenness, in the diagnosis, in the suffering, in the devastation, in the broken dreams and shattered hearts. God is at work in all things, working for the good of those that love him and are called living according to his design and by his design. And then he continues and he writes this, for those God foreknew, he also predestined because God created you. He knew every detail of your life. He saw how your life was gonna work out. Therefore, he predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son, meaning God already knew what you were gonna do. He already knew the mess we were gonna make and the mess we were gonna get in. He knew the brokenness of the world and the brokenness in us. And so God was already at work to work through the emptiness, the meaninglessness, the brokenness of our lives to conform us to become like him. How? That, that he might, mean referring to Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, meaning that we could become part of the family of God. And then he continues, what then shall we say in response to what I just wrote, right? What, what, what can we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He makes this declaration, this championship, this champion statement. He goes, if God is at work in my life for good in all the things that I've been through, no matter what I've been through, he is working according to his design. Then I know that God is for me, not against me. On our own, our life is uh, an empty, worthless, meaningless portrait. Maybe just a blank, empty canvas. But God... In the lyrics of a song, an original song within Lifehouse that we sang, here's the line. I am your canvas. You are the artist. As we celebrate Easter, the victory of God, here's what I want you to know. A life designed by God is a life designed in victory. That's our statement. That's our declaration. A life designed by God is a life designed in victory. I want that. Hopefully, as I say that, you want that. You, you want that for Sarah as she's navigated through not just one diagnosis, but multiple diagnoses and from one frustration to the next frustration. You want that for the world that we live in, a broken world. You, you want us to take hold of this promise that in the midst of emptiness, in the midst of meaninglessness, in the midst of feeling worthless and lost, I want to know that I'm living in the grand design of God and that God's design for my life and your life and the world we live in is one of victory. Well, the Apostle Paul, at the beginning of Romans chapter 8, he writes this, and it's, it's the beginning of how we get to this confidence that in the middle of a broken world, God is for us, not against us, so we know that we can live in victory. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He goes, 
You don't have to live condemned. You don't have to live meaningless. You don't have to live worthless. You don't have to live feeling judged by a God who seems like he's against you. Why? Because God came from heaven to earth. Jesus became a man to take on our condemnation, and he overcame the law of condemnation to give us the spirit of life. This is important. Let me explain. Like cancer. There is spiritual cancer at work in every one of us. Now, I want to be sensitive here because I know that nearly every one of us have been touched by someone who was diagnosed with cancer. Many of you have lost loved ones from cancer. We prayed with Sarah as she navigated through her journey with cancer. So I want to be sensitive here, but please listen to me. There is something worse than physical cancer. There is a spiritual cancer that has metastasized inside of every one of us. Some cancers, they just happen to us, right? We didn't, we didn't do anything wrong. Just cancer comes into a person's body. And there are some things caused by a spiritual cancer of sin that you didn't cause. It's just the brokenness of the world we live in. It's a spiritual brokenness that wreaks havoc in a broken world. Spiritual cancer that metastasizes. It, it causes disasters and tragedies and devastation. Then there is other kinds of cancers that we're aware of, right? We chose. We did mean we did things that caused cancer. And I don't want to point fingers. I don't want anybody to feel condemned. I know some people carry the guilt of the physical ramifications of the decisions they made. But let me be clear. I'm talking about spiritual cancer. Then there are times in our life when we chose to do the wrong thing. And that choice caused spiritual cancer cells to metastasize and destroy us from within, right? It's not just that the world around us is broken. It's that there is a spiritual cancer inside of us eating away at us, right? It's good things that get out of control, that grow wildly, that destroy us. And sin devastates and destroys every time. And while cancer can lead to the fear of physical death, Spiritual cancer, sin, metastasizes and leads to a forever death, a, a life far from God, but God, right? So Jesus came from heaven to earth. <laughs> the Apostle Paul says, therefore, there, we, there is no condemnation through Jesus Christ. How is that possible? Because Jesus overcame sin through the victory of the cross. And so what I want you to hear is not just the, the victory of the cross, right, where Jesus died on a cross, he paid the price for our sin. He took on our eternal death sentence once for all. And then when, so when Jesus died, he died in your place, in my place. In essence, he, he absorbed the judgment of our spiritual cancer, his death becoming our chemotherapy. But Jesus didn't just die. Here's the beauty of this moment is Jesus rose from the dead, triumphant over death itself, triumphant over sin and triumphant over eternal judgment. So that when Jesus died, he put death to death. He condemned the curse of sin. He shamed shame and made called guilt guilty. And his resurrection is our victory. Listen to me. The resurrection of Jesus is the portrait of victory. Your victory. Would you take hold of that right now? That what God, the artist, 
is painting into my life, which was empty and meaningless and worthless and lost. I had run out of options. I couldn't see meaning. I couldn't see significance. What I now see is the portrait of victory in me because of the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's not just true for you, for me. That was true for Sarah. Would you check out more of her story? Exactly one year after my mastectomy, then I had a hysterectomy. And then I started chemo in December again. By Christmas, my hair was just falling out. So the Monday after Christmas, and this was two years in a row that the Monday after Christmas, I shaved my head. I had a few low times that I would get a little down, you know, just thinking, just getting sick, you know, felt bad all the time. It's so easy for people to say, oh, you're gonna be fine. When in your heart, you're really thinking, I've got children, I've got loved ones, I have other people who rely on me, and I'm afraid I'm not going to be fine. What am I going to do? Right after one of those times when I did have, a, I had a downtime and I was crying, and you know, I just gave myself a pep talk. You know, and I said, Sarah, you're gonna put a smile on your face and you're gonna keep it there until you get through this. And honestly, that's what I tried to do. So there were times that, you know, you'd get a little down and then I'd have to think, no, God, you've got my life in your hands. And that's just what I'm gonna remember and what I'm gonna hold on to. It was a long two years. It wasn't something that I ever would have wanted anybody to have to go through. I, I try to dwell on the positive and I try to just remain, you know, hopeful for the future. I am glad to say that in February of this year, just last month, it has, I've celebrated six years from my final chemo. And I've been told from the doctors that if you can make it to five years, that there's very little chance that it will return. You know, I strongly, firmly believe that God had his hand on me this whole time. I just am so thankful for the faith that I have in God and, and faith kept me able to remain positive throughout this. You know, like I said, not that there weren't down times, but I, I do think that, that God brought me through it victorious. Yes, I do believe, you know, this is a victory because I'm here. So appreciate Sarah's courage and willingness to share her story and her journey, right? Not just a moment of healing or recovery, but how when we're walking through a diagnosis and the treatment, it's not just what's going on in our body, but what's going on in our emotions, our mind, and our spirit. And what Sarah saw was how she was in the hand of God. Let me just lean into that for a moment. Because what I heard wasn't just what Sarah said, that she, was, she could see herself in the hands of God, that God's got her, but also being shaped by the hands of the artist, meaning in the process of Sarah's recovery, God was also shaping her and making her, crafting things in her that she could never be on her own without that journey. When you discover that God is for you, not against you, you take hold of this thought. The Apostle Paul writes it in Romans chapter 8, verse 33, where he says, who then is the one who condemns? If God is for me, who's against me? then who can condemn me? No one. 
Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. I realize that some of you, as I'm reading that, you, you, you can't really make sense of that. The Apostle Paul is trying to use a courtroom picture. He's saying that imagine God the Father as judge and jury. He goes, then I want you to know that Jesus is your defense attorney. He's defending you. He's already taken the conviction on himself. He already died in your place. And so when he comes in the courtroom, he says, not guilty. Who can condemn him? I already took on his condemnation. I already took on the judgment. I paid the price for his penalty. I took his death on myself. He's not guilty. Who's going to make an argument when your defense attorney is God himself? And so the point is, as the hand of the artist is painting the portrait of your life, your portrait of victory is perfect and guilt-free. Stop carrying condemnation. Stop believing the lies of the enemy of your soul who would try to trick you into believing that you are what you've done. He wants you to believe that your failures and flaws are final that that defines you and shapes you and makes you what you otherwise have been. No, God does not see you as a mess, but a masterpiece. He sees every flaw and every failure as a setup for his beauty, for what he's crafting and carving and shaping and painting into your life. Your life is in the hands of the artist. and He is painting the portrait of your life. And what God is painting is beautiful. He sees you as perfect. The artist, the divine artist is looking at the portrait. He's saying it's exactly the way I want it to be. You see flaws. God sees texture. You see shame and guilt and pain and brokenness, regrets. God sees beauty from ashes joy from mourning, right? He sees beauty and wonder in the midst of the messiness of our lives. Only God can take the messiness of our story, pour into it the oil paints of the, of the death, the crucifixion of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and paint something into our life that is perfect, priceless, and guilt-free. When you believe in Jesus by faith, you are not what you were. You are not condemned. The law of condemnation has been put aside, and you have received the spirit, the law of life. You are now defined by what God calls you, what God has made you. He has, he has put into you the resurrection life of Jesus, and you can walk in victory. Not only that, there's more. Romans chapter 8, verse 15 and 17. Let me just go back earlier in the chapter where the Apostle Paul writes this. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. He goes, because he makes you sons. He goes, and by him we cry, Abba, which is a word that really is closer to daddy. By him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Did, did you get it? Here's what the Apostle Paul is writing. He goes like this. 
<laughs> it's not just that if God is for you, who can be against you? And it's not just that Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is interceding for you. It's not just that Jesus is your defense attorney. Jesus is your big brother. He is your savior. He is your salvation. And he's your big brother. He went before God the Father and said, this is my, I've rescued him. Would you welcome him home? And here's what God is saying about you. You're a portrait that God designs, then signs. God rescued you from emptiness, from worthlessness, from meaninglessness. Then he begins to paint into your life. But the hand of the artist, painting what could have never been painted on its own, begins to paint into you purpose, begins to paint into you the power of the crucifixion, right? The, the, the victory of Jesus dying for us, paying the price to overcome the penalty of our sin, painting into our story the crucifixion, which means he put to death, death on our behalf, painting into our story the power of his resurrection so that you are a victor, not, not a victim. After he designs the portrait, he signs the portrait. You are signed by the artist God himself. You are called by the artist. You were called out of sin and you were called by name. When a child is adopted, they're given a new name. The name of the adopted family, you were adopted. And, and he says you're adopted in his sonship. Ladies, don't be upset. In this ancient time, it was sons that received the inheritance. And the point was, that's not just that Jesus is your big brother. It's that you receive a co-inheritance with Jesus of heaven. God, listen to this, Abba, Daddy, God is the king. And he says, welcome home into my kingdom, heaven. You can come right into the throne room and the storehouses of the palace are available to you. Therefore, if God is for you, who can be against you? If the king is fighting for you, what, what could stand against you? In fact, he was like this, no, in all these things, we know that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The portrait God designs, he signs. You, are, you have the signature of God on your life. Your life is valuable. Your life is not just designed and signed by God where he calls you his own, but he calls you his child. And he says, welcome home. And then in a moment of triumph, the king, Abba, daddy says, nobody and nothing is going to get between me and those that I love, which means you are a priceless portrait of God's love. A baseball hit out of the baseball park isn't worth much at all. Until, oh, until it's got the signature of the star on it. The canvas isn't worth much unless you see the signature of Van Gogh or Michelangelo or Dali or a Rembrandt. Suddenly, an ordinary piece of canvas becomes a priceless treasure because the signature of the artist in your life signed by the artist but not just signed by the artist. You are a priceless portrait of God's love. Meaning, what do you see when you look at your life from the eyes of heaven? You see God's love. And so the apostle Paul is saying, here is what marks our life. Here's what it is. I know this. Nothing gets between you and the God that loves you. 
He goes, I'm convinced that neither death nor life will separate you from the love of God. That's right. Even if this diagnosis doesn't turn out the way you hope, even in death, you won't be separated from the love of God. And if, if you're spared in this life for a season of time from death itself, in this life, you're not separated from God's love. The longer you live, the more you walk in God's love, and death itself will only become a doorway to God's love. Here's this. Neither angels nor demons. That's right. The darkest of demons can't diminish the light of God's love and the brightness of an epiphany of an angel is like a shadow in the brightness of the love of God. He goes, neither the present nor the future. There is nothing that is happening in this moment that is keeping you from the love of God. And there's nothing that will happen tomorrow or the next or any point in the future that can distance you from the strong love of God. He goes, nor any powers. There are no politics. There are no powers. There are no forces. There are no, there's nothing happening either in the physical realm or the spiritual realm that will keep you from the power of God's love. There's nothing happening in the, he goes, neither height nor depth. I don't care how high you go or how high you get. You cannot out-height God's love. And it doesn't matter how low you go. Maybe you've sunken into the depths of despair, into the valley of depression and anguish, desperation. I can tell you that no matter how deep you go, you have not gone to a depth below God's love. He goes, I'm convinced that there is nothing, nothing else in all creation that can hold you back from God's love. Your life, the portrait of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the power of God, the hand of the artist painting, putting value and meaning and significance into your life. But what he's crafting in you is the priceless portrait of love designed and signed by the king himself. I don't know what has been put on the canvas of your life. Emptiness, or even shame and guilt, what I do know is this. God wants to purchase you. He wants to redeem you. He wants to call you his own. He wants to design you and sign you. And the first step you can take on that journey is to say yes to Jesus by faith. Look, you're joining us online. Would you take that step with us? At each of our campuses, would you take this step with us right now? If you are ready to say yes to Jesus by faith, can I ask... Everyone in our in-person gatherings, just close your eyes for a moment. And I'm going to ask you, you're ready to say yes to Jesus by faith, to give your life in faith to Jesus Christ, allowing him to forgive you of your sins and give you new life. Would you just raise your hand high? I mean, high. So yeah, that's me. That's right where I'm at. And as you're raising your hand, we're celebrating with you. I mean, no one's looking at you, but I know that all of heaven is celebrating with you and I'm celebrating with you. As you raise your hand, one of our greeters wants to put a card in your hand that will encourage you to fill out to let us know that you're making this decision. Please turn that in. If you're online with us, you're going you're to click on the link or scan the QR code to let us know that you're saying yes to Jesus. Now, as you're saying yes to Jesus, I want to I take a moment and just pray over you and celebrate you. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the victory that... that we are not under the law of condemnation, but we have received the law of the life of the Spirit, that you are not against us, but you are for us. Therefore, there is nothing in, in all of creation that can separate us from the love of God. Thank you for each individual that is saying yes to Jesus. Their canvas, 
now available to the artist. God, I pray that you begin to paint on every one of their lives the power of the resurrection, victory, a priceless portrait of your, of your love, and would you sign it after you design it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.